Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. This is Gigabit Nation. We are here to talk about all things related to broadband and how we can get better broadband into more places where it needs to be. Uh, today I am broadcasting live from the Smarter Cape Summit, which is in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And uh, they're in the middle of a very interesting, aggressive uh, broadband project that involves about 15 towns and townships. And uh, they were a winner of one of the broadband stimulus grants. And today we're going to really get into uh, the economic development issue, like how do you work your broadband project so that you get maximum benefit to uh, the economic goals that you have set for your community. So um, kicking off, uh, my guest, we have two today, but my initial guest is um, Paul Nedzwicki, who is the executive director of Cape, the uh, Cape Cod Commission. And so, Paul, I'm just going to let you explain what the commission does and its role with the, with the Open Cape Broadband Project. <clears throat> Great. Well, thank you, Craig. <clears throat> the Cape Cod Commission is a regional planning agency, um, which most folks uh, – have one. Certainly in, the, in Massachusetts, every square inch of the Commonwealth is covered by a regional planning agency. However, two serve uh, with a certain distinction. That is the Martha's Vineyard Commission and the Cape Cod Commission because we were given uh, 20 years ago regulatory authority from uh, the state legislature. So as a regional planning agency, we have a regional policy plan and we try to, to uh, keep a special place special, as we like to refer to it here on the Cape. Um, by controlling growth and making sure that uh, growth happens where it's appropriate and not where it's inappropriate. And uh, on the Cape, uh, we have certain challenges related to economic development. The Cape itself is a fairly renowned peninsula that sort of sticks out into the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, And it also has a canal that separates it from the mainland. So in effect, it's an island. And one of the major limiting factors on economic development on Cape Cod is that canal. If you have a business that is in, in any way dependent on moving goods or services by car or truck, uh, you don't really want to deal with the kind of seasonal influx over those two bridges in the summer. So that's, that limits our opportunity. We see broadband as almost a third bridge, our technological bridge over that canal. And at uh, the commission, supporting smart growth pr- principles, we really see it as an opportunity to have to start moving work to people instead of people to work, mm-hmm. and to allow the Cape, as a, a fairly isolated region or an island, uh, to catch up um, with the kind of economic year-round economic development opportunities that exist uh, elsewhere in the state and the nation. So, are the 15 towns uh, townships that are part of the Open Cape project are they all on the island? Uh, is that what Pretty Cape much. Cod is, okay, pretty so. much. You know, there are 15 towns that uh, comprise the peninsula of, of Cape Cod. Uh, they also uh, are a county. Barnstable County is uh, sort of the official name of Cape Cod, and all of those towns are on that peninsula, except for a piece of the town of Bourne that is on the north side of that canal. And uh, the town of Bourne, though, has itself some very um, distinct challenges for economic development because. Half of it is on one side of the canal, half of it is on the other side of the canal. And when a town is physically split in two like that, 
uh, it costs more to support the infrastructure to support your population. You know, you've got to have fire stations on both sides of the canal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but other than Bourne, we're all uh, we all share this uh, peninsula together, and uh, it's a fairly fragile ecosystem. Mm-hmm. It's basically a sandbar. It has a sole source aquifer. All of our drinking water really comes from underneath our feet, and um, it's ten miles wide at its widest point. That's not very wide. No, it's not very wide <laughs> it's at all. It's pretty slim. Now, um, I have written about the Open Cape project uh, really ever since the broadband stimulus began, actually before then, uh, in large part because the group, Dan Gallagher and, and his crew, were very uh, aggressive and forward-thinking on the planning part. There was a lot of planning. Dan at one point mentioned, even in the early days of the stimulus, which was 2009, they had already been planning for at least one or two years. Um, and I'm wondering, was the Cape Cod Commission part of that early planning phase? No, we actually weren't. Uh, Dan Gallagher is an amazing uh, individual. He was with the community college down here, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a regional entity for education. And Dan really started driving that Open Cape uh, train and that broadband agenda pretty early. Uh, we joined it as part of our... Um, Comprehensive Economic Development Strategy, or our SEDS project. The Cape Cod Commission is required to develop that strategy and revisit it every five years, and we file it with the Federal Economic Development Agency, and it qualifies us for some federal funding. Um, so that's really when Open Cape and the Cape Cod Commission joined, is that, that that SEDS project, because we recognized the breakup into five working groups. Each chose three individual projects, regional economic development projects, that they wanted to support. But at that meeting, uh, you know, almost five years ago now, we recognized that Open Cape and that broadband initiative was the common thread that went through all of them. So we made it a 16th project and a very high priority, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been uh, full steam behind the project ever since then. And this is pretty interesting because I did a national survey of economic development professionals last year. Uh, getting queued up to do another survey in a couple of months uh, for for this year. And one of the questions I asked people was, is broadband a part of their economic development plan? And so it turned out that about just under a third had um, put some sort of broadband strategy into their overall economic development plan. So do you see that number increasing as as we go along, are more economic development folks going to be putting uh, broadband into the plan? I think so. I mean, Dan uh, Dan Gallagher explains this uh, really well. He talks about you know the construction of the railroads, and if you were a town or a municipality that had a railroad stop, you had economic development. Mm-hmm. The federal highway system in the 50s. If you had an off ramp from a highway, you had economic development. And we really see broadband this, this way, too. If you don't have, you know, gigabyte access, um, you're going to miss out on the economy of, of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And and so then I would, you know, follow that by saying, you know, for all the folks that are listening, that if your economic development planning agency or council or whatever is applicable to your uh, jurisdiction, if they haven't gotten on the bandwagon and have broadband worked into their plan – that really needs to happen. It does. It does. And I think the biggest challenge that we've had is sort of explaining to people 
what the broadband initiative is. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have um, various providers, Comcast, Verizon. They're like, well, I already have broadband in my home. Uh, and they have, they do, in many instances, have the ability to download a lot of information, but we don't have that upload, uplift capacity. Mm -hmm. um, this really connects the entire CAPE and gives us the capacity to do new and exciting things, some of which we're going to profile um, in just an hour or so here, <laughs> here at the summit. Uh-huh. So um, I want to also now introduce our, our second guest. I told everybody we have two today. Um, I want to introduce Alan Davis, who is the president and CEO of CapeNet. And his company is driving the, the technological aspect of this whole thing, you know, putting the right uh, pieces in place to make broadband do what it needs to do so that all the economic development folks can uh, accomplish their mission. So, Alan, first, welcome to the show. Thank you. And um, we, uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit, just to get a little bit of background, but sometimes I don't know if people in communities understand the connection fully between broadband and economic development. Why is it important that not only are you guys putting in a network, but it's going to be a massively, incredibly fast network? Why is that speed and, and capacity of the network important to the economic development question? Well, because depending on the nature of your business, <clears throat> you may need very, very high speeds in order to operate effectively. There might, you might, for example, be transferring very large video files mm -hmm. uh, or other kinds of um, files like uh, uh, 3D files, uh, all kinds of files that are, that are, that are massive files. Um, for example, there's one company on the Cape that we, we've become aware of uh, that is uh, designing all kinds of oil and gas equipment uh, to go uh, under the ocean, mm -hmm. uh, they, 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 their files are just massive going back and forth. I think they are actually uh, transferring by DSL, believe it or not, oh, wow. terabytes of information, taking days and days on end uh, to get back to their to, a, to their corporate headquarters. Uh, so that's but that's one type. There there are many other types of uh, institutions. Uh, that we know we're already going to service, but they're representative of what I'm talking about. So you have you have another um, <clears throat> another entity like Otis Air Force Base, which is transferring huge amounts of intelligence information. They've they've already agreed to become our customer. Mm -hmm. You have another uh, organization like Woods Hole Oceanographic Center, which is doing collecting huge amounts of data for research uh, grants that they've been and they have to get that information mm -hmm. somewhere. You have a, another organization that we're talking to, like the Pilgrim uh, Nuclear Power Plant, that has constantly to, to send out information of massive nature. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you have even uh, another example would be, uh, and this does this, this doesn't in the Cape, but it would be uh, it would be an example of how you could track business like this mm -hmm. on the Cape is if you had a, a studio and you were film you were doing a film on the Cape and you had to send dailies. Mm -hmm. Out. Mm -hmm. Right now, those dailies are, are very difficult. When you when you make a film on the Cape, sometimes those dailies have to be trucked into Boston first Good before they're sent out. So, so and there are numerous other examples like that. Now, mm -hmm. the key is uh, that if if a commercial entity or other entity that that required large amounts of information to be sent over a very fast network like like ours, mm -hmm. uh, new in advance. 
that they that they could do that, that that was part of the infrastructure mm-hmm. of 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 where they were operating, where they were doing business. If mm-hmm. they knew that in advance, it could be a tremendous uh, uh, influence in determining whether they were to locate uh, in that area. Mm-hmm. So this is how you attract business because you you basically promote the idea of the infrastructure existing. Right. And and you can. Make sure that as you, if you build an industrial park or you build a studio or whatever it is uh, that, that requires um, uh, significant amounts of data, and I'll get to another type, which mm-hmm. I'll get to in a second. But it, but if if you were if you knew that and you could build that into your plans as a developer, mm-hmm. uh, th- then you would have a much better chance of, of proving to an investor uh, that 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 you 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 had a very good chance of making that project work. Mm-hmm. Okay. The the other type of um, data, um, you know, uh, pig I'll call it, <laughs> is, is 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 when you have large amounts of people all needing small amounts of data, but but and in the aggregate. Mm-hmm. So a college, for example, where studios students are all requiring large amounts of data simultaneously mm-hmm. would be a, would be an example of that. But it could be conference uh, conference room with Hundreds of people were requiring to be on the internet at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, are, there are any number of other examples of of that, where where large amounts of people have to come together, mm-hmm. and they each require small amounts of data. But in the aggregate, it amounts to a large amount of data. Right. Exactly. And so, uh, th- so all this is again is important. Uh, we we have a network that not only. Um, is on the Cape and extends to other parts of southeastern uh, Massachusetts, but we're also in the process of interconnecting with other networks where we can go down to New York City, where we can get up to Boston. Mm-hmm. That has implications for healthcare, mm-hmm. for example, co- um, uh, coordination, and, uh, people who can uh, look at images instantly, say, down in Boston for a special, specially, special, specialized mm-hmm. illness that they have. The expert only is in. Certain areas, so, right? So there's, so it's not only getting broadband on the Cape uh, at in very high um, speeds, but it's also carrying that data uh, in millisecond um, uh, speeds, uh, you know, down to uh, down to uh, areas where it's important that 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 uh, they be interconnected to. Mm-hmm. And we're we're doing both of those. Things. Right. Okay. So let's. Look at the, um, the the planning exercise. Uh, again, this is a lar- This is like one of the main things that it, that has uh, interested me about Open Cape has been the, the the planning that went into the network. So, from each of your perspective, I'll start with you, Paul. How does the economic development side, which may not be te- technology savvy people, but clearly people who understand the business of economic development, how or what are some ways in which you can work with the technology side folks to get what you need at the end. Because, you know, we all hear horror stories about uh, X millions of dollars goes into a tech project and the project launches and no one uses it. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, that would not help economic development if that happened. So, how, from your perspective, do economic development agencies work with the tech side for a better end result? Well, we want to make sure that it winds up in the right place. You know, okay. it's, it's tech, but where that cable runs is very important. Um, at the 
commission, we are engaged right now in a, re a comprehensive planning process regionally uh, that we call the Land Use Vision Project. Uh, and what we're doing, we're, we're designating economic centers and industrial service and trade areas, so those, those areas that could become tech parks. Mm -hmm. And let me use Sandwich, the town of Sandwich, as an example. In South Sandwich, there is a triangular-shaped property that they, are, that they have some development on now that needs to be redeveloped, and the town actually owns some green space associated with that. Mm -hmm. Across the street from that is an, is an industrial service and trade area that they want to develop. It's an old gravel pit that uh, they, they want to be able to reuse now. With Open Cape coming down that road, we're going to be able to provide gigabyte access into that park to turn it into a tech park. And as, as, uh, as I pointed out, uh, that becomes a tremendous incentive for businesses to locate there. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the road, we have uh, a mixed-use smart growth development that's going in. We're going to be able to lay out some of those grids and bury the infrastructure, but we'll be able to advertise this even as a place to live and work and shop and play. Uh, every home and every business there is going to have gigabyte access. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is sort of the gigavillage. You know, this is the, the village of tomorrow. Uh, on the Cape, and it's allowing us to redevelop some of our historic economic centers uh, in a way that we can continue to grow economically, but grow in areas that, that uh, we're not going to continue to sprawl in a way that's unaffordable for towns. Right. So it sounds like <clears throat> you, you do a fair amount of needs assessment to then be able to explain to the, to the, to the tech folks what it is that you need. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is, is uh, industry-specific, too. We do have Woods Hole, the Woods Hole uh, Oceanographic Institute and the uh, Marine Biological Labs in Falmouth, and, and they are uh, research institutions that are extraordinarily data-intensive. Mm -hmm. And uh, Huey, for example, uh, several years back, wanted to apply for a federal grant but couldn't because it didn't have enough upload capacity to qualify given the, the, the data that they were going to swap. The, the other issue brought up is healthcare. Mm -hmm. You know, healthcare on Cape Cod is our number one industry. It's almost double our second industry, uh, industry which is hospitality. Mm -hmm. uh, and with our aging demographic, uh, Cape Cod is one of the oldest. It's the oldest county in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and one of the older counties in the United States. And uh, so that healthcare trend is going to continue. So locating uh, particular industries in Hyannis and Falmouth that are going to need this this data and making sure that we are creating opportunities in those places that we want to develop by locating uh, that cable proximate to those areas are important economic I also would point out that it's that it, this is where there can be a continuing public partner, public-private partnership. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, let's say that there were a location uh, that the, the two or more towns or even one town said, hey, here, here's, a, here's an economic development area that we really want to promote. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but our network, will, will say, is only going a mile or two away. If, 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 if the towns were to get to us in advance and tell us this is what we're promoting mm -hmm. and this is what we'd like to do, we can put them a partner and say, okay, we're going to put this on our capital list for this year to build out to that. So that you put you town in a better position to attract that business mm -hmm. for the town. Right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a continuing... It's not just a one-time thing, is what mm -hmm. I'm trying to say. There's a continuing relationship. Um, there's a continuing partnership that, if things are going the way they should, uh, can can enhance 
the uh, ability of, of towns and uh, to attract uh, the right kind of business uh, and, and to take advantage of, of the natural uh, advantages of the Cape, mm-hmm. which is the beauty of the Cape and the uniqueness of the Cape. I mean, there, 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 there are a lot of advantages that the Cape has way beyond having infrastructure, which, 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 which coupled with the right infrastructure and the right encouragement of business is going to lead to, to some pretty amazing things, in my view, mm-hmm. over time. Now, do you rely, Paul, on uh, memos, meetings? Um, I mean, you're basically working with a lot of busy folks you know, yeah. that run these various organizations. How do you get them focused and engaged long enough to get the information, number one, and on an ongoing basis, how do you facilitate the communication that, say, um, Alan and his company needs in order to be able to, you know, adjust his plans accordingly? Well, it's a constant education process. You know, we've ingrained uh, the Open Cape broadband broadband strategy into almost everything that we do. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a piece of of everything that we're out there talking about uh, with the local municipalities. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, through partnerships like the Smarter Cape Partnership, uh, you know, we meet every week. And uh, we discuss in those meetings where we are on, on uh, certain projects. And for example, um, it's not just private industry that's going to be able to leverage significant advantages from this. We, as the Cape Cod Commission, as sort of a regional government, are really going to be able to expand what we do. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to get ready to showcase in a little bit our new software uh, that we've developed at the commission. Mm-hmm. And so we have huge uh, pieces of data, you know, most of it tied to a map. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what we've done is we've created a huge data warehouse. We've been able to link with other data warehouses. But at the commission now, we've developed the ability to identify problems in the community, to pull down data from that warehouse, and to develop applications that we can then push to the towns. And, uh, you know, this is radical, but we would not be able to provide these services and will not be able to provide these services until Open Cape is done mm-hmm. because we need that kind of upload capacity when you're moving that kind of GIS map-related data. Mm-hmm. So it does require a fair amount of uh, planning, but also ongoing activity to keep uh, everyone focused and to keep the information coming out. And, you know, right, cause right at the beginning, you know, you don't have the network, so you still have to communicate with people who may not have the best uh, data communication infrastructure currently, but you still got to keep them engaged so that then once the network is in place, then they can keep up and increase the volume of, you know, yeah. communication. I mean, and so I forth. think it starts with a shared vision. Mm-hmm. When, once you have a shared vision of what what you're trying to accomplish, uh, that's one thing. Then, then it's an education, both both within the Cape and outside the Cape. So mm-hmm. there's a certain effort that has to go on to understand what com- what industries are looking for, what companies are looking for, and then you and then you have to prepare the right material, the right communications to get them uh, interested in the Cape. I mean, there, there are plenty of companies out there right now that I would venture to say um, they, they haven't the slightest idea that they'd be interested in locating in Cape Cod. Right? Mm-hmm. Yet, yet if they really understood the future, they'd say, gee, that would be really neat if we could do that. <laughs> and so um, so th- I think I think there's going to be a lot of that. It, 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 there's a lot of outreach, to put, mm-hmm. it, uh, to put it another way. It's going to be required uh, over time. Uh, to make this happen, mm-hmm. and, and it's not easy. It's not simple because 
the, there's competition out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are plenty of other uh, pay places around the country. The businesses have a choice, mm-hmm. and they have to decide for a variety of reasons what's what's good for them. And so, but if you're not out there pitching, uh, what what it is about uh, this this region, this net, this this technology, this business environment, all of those things. If you're not if you're not out there with a with a good PR. Exist, so, so to speak, uh, mm-hmm. case, uh, then you're not going to track that business. It's it, 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 it's not one of going to be one of these cases of if we build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen that way. Right, and that's that's where another one of our partners, the Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce, has been essential. You know, the mm-hmm. Cape Cod Commission handles a lot of the planning. The Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce does a very good job at marketing the region, and uh, the broadband initiative and Open Cape has become an important part of that marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask about you know that. Uh, you know who do you on your side partner with in order to get the word out? So there's a chamber. Obviously, that yes. would make uh, that would make a lot of sense. Do you engage the businesses to be cheerleaders, champions, uh, or do you think they need to wait until they see the network before they can fully become mini marketing? Yeah. Well, you know we're at, you know as I explained at the commission, um, we're engaged. We're preparing to sort of take advantage and exploit the advantages of Open Cape when it comes, to and we are. Um, Reaching out with strategic partners, you know, mm-hmm. we, we don't want to make uh, we don't want to overpromise yet. You know how how deadlines and timelines go. Mm-hmm. Although this project is is uh, you know on budget and on time, uh, so we're working with some of those strategic partners, those larger institutions right now, mm-hmm. to make sure that they get on. And we're pretty comfortable that people will follow. Mm-hmm. What do you see as the biggest um, challenge to keeping everybody on board and on message? Uh, the unknown, <laughs> you know. I'm sure uh, the challenge is, is, is in part um, constant education mm-hmm. uh, and uh, trying to promote the advantages of this particular technology. That I think will start to snowball and take care of itself. But you never know what the future is going to bring, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a place like the Cape. It could be anything from environmental impacts of sea level rise or Category Five hurricane, uh, and so we're trying to to develop strategies, planning strategies, to sort of mitigate and adapt and become more resilient as a region, uh, the broadband uh, initiative and Open Cape are an important part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're part of our sort of recovery, how, we, how we're planning to recover from something uh, like that. But it's a, it's a constant um, effort to move forward, and I'm sure that the biggest challenge uh, today will be surpassed by another challenge mm-hmm. in the future. I think part of what... what could be done or should be done is just try to think that the government of the McCabe has to start thinking of this more in business terms. Now, what mm-hmm. do I mean by that? I mean by that is that when I think of starting a new business, and I try to think of how do I build my customer base, I think in terms of reference customers. If I can get a customer, two customers, three customers uh, that are that are brand names, so to mm-hmm. speak, um, that's going to that's going to grab the attention of other. Uh, well-recognized uh, businesses. Mm-hmm. And so I think the county needs to be thinking in terms of the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can get, if we can attract business X here, it makes our job going forward less onerous mm-hmm. because that in and of itself is going to promote uh, the idea of, of, of economic development on the Cape. Mm-hmm. Right. So now one of the, um, I don't know, call it a sidebar discussion that goes on in broadband circles, but is probably more an issue at the economic development 
groups level is the question of do you focus a lot on improving the access and subsequently the competitiveness of existing businesses or do you um, go out and try to land big companies to come to town or big projects to come to town? Now, I'll, I'll ask you guys about that in a second, but to sort of set up sort of a scenario of, you know, what the first option might look like, Alan and I in a previous discussion had talked about um, – see if if, um, if um, we can talk about the INET idea because I see that is is one way to address the um uh what is it to address the uh issue of of how do you make your current businesses more productive so just you know just just really reiterate the discussion that we had about you know what's an inet why is it important what does it do to enhance the communication between the people within a city or town or whatever so so the, I guess the first question is what is an INET? Uh, a lot of people probably uh, don't know, and that's understandable. Uh, what we mean by an INET, and this uh, actually goes back to old cable television days, uh, is that uh, a town interconnects uh, uh, many, if not all, of its major facilities, mm-hmm. libraries, uh, fire fire stations, police stations. Um, schools, um, public works uh, facilities, uh, you, you name it. And if it's, a, if it's town-based, uh, then, then it gets connected over a broadband network. Now, mm-hmm. that's an in, it comes interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, it enables these, these uh, town uh, uh, entities, these town Offices to talk among themselves in a very in a very efficient way, mm-hmm. uh, and and to share information that they may need to share in a very efficient way. So so, but that doesn't end it because uh, it, it, the other thing you'd like to have done is is for that information to be shared with other towns or with with the federal government or or the state. Mm-hmm. And so the ability then the next question is how does that happen? And it happens by having that town connect its uh, uh, to a provider like like CapeNet, which can then take that data and carry it wherever else it needs to be carried at very high speeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. It also enables uh, CapeNet to provide huge amounts of internet access bandwidth uh, to the town, uh, so that the t- each town is not each Town department is not going out and individually bargaining mm-hmm. for uh, for uh, bandwidth mm-hmm. and and uh, you know especially you know over the internet and all that shared fashion, mm-hmm. uh, which means it can be done less expensively, which means it can be done more efficiently, which means it it it, it, it creates more community among uh, among in, within a region. Uh, so there's a lot, of, and it also brings. Uh, the entire town potentially closer to businesses that want to communicate with them uh, in some fashion. So there's, there, there are any number of reasons why um, uh, a, a community becomes its own uh, network and the network work ties into larger networks. Mm-hmm. So basically we are 
in that INET scenario, accelerating and expanding the communication within the community, um, not as opposed to, but in addition to whatever happens between the community and the rest of the world. But it's basically saying let's hyper, uh, let's let's hyper, you know, extend the communication capacity between the businesses of a town. Right. There's a, a specific example that we're engaged with right now. About a month ago, Cape Cod Commission and 14 of the 15 towns applied for a Community Innovation Challenge Grant from the state of Massachusetts uh, to uh, start out on an electronic permitting program for the Cape, mm -hmm. e-permitting. And uh, this has great promise. A lot of the, the towns on the Cape now um, issue still paper building permits, mm -hmm. and they, they get stacked. Now, that information is incredibly valuable, um, and it's a very inefficient process the way that they do it now. By the end of this year, we have to have that first leg of that e-permitting done. But in the very near future, what will happen is a building inspector will wake up in his home, won't even have to go to the office. He'll have a town-issued iPad. That iPad will map out his route for the day in the most efficient way, and he or she will sort of arrive at, on the job. They'll be able to take a picture of what they're inspecting. That will immediately be uploaded mm -hmm. and stored at the town database. And then they'll be able to take down the name of a contractor who's going to work there, that contractor name for consumer protection purposes will be immediately referenced with a state database. Mm -hmm. So uh, it becomes much more convenient for the homeowner, uh, much more efficient for the town. Uh, and so it, it starts to get to that, to support the concept of smarter government, you know, government 2.0, providing a higher level of service at a lower cost. And so uh, I think this holds great promise. Mm -hmm. So coming back then to the question, um, <clears throat> There's only so many hours in a day, but so many staff that you have at your disposal. Is the focus or should the focus be on, you know, take care of your own existing businesses first, or do we try to emulate places like Chattanooga and Lafayette where they use their broadband to bring in businesses that represent four or 500 jobs and that kind of thing? Right. Like, what's your, what's your take on versus away focus? Well, uh, I'd like to do both, but uh, you know, I've, I've looked at Chattanooga and Lafayette, very good models down there, mm -hmm. and sort of newer models. So, so we are um, studying that as a way to move forward. But having done more traditional redevelopment, revitalization projects on the Cape, and uh, studying them across the country, generally, what you the first people in are going to be people that are already stakeholders in the community. Right. And so you've got to get that local buy-in first. And so I think it's probably a two-step process. Mm -hmm. Get the local buy-in first. Those stakeholders actually believe in that shared vision. And then uh, I think you, it opens it up to the kind of uh, programs that uh, Chattanooga and Lafayette have been very successful at. Mm -hmm. what's, what's your take on the, you know, do you focus local? Do you focus on landing the big fish? Well, I, I agree with Paul. I think you have to be proceeding simultaneously. I don't mm -hmm. think you can carry the one over the other because there's just – First of all, there's no no telling which which fish is going to bite in the sea. <laughs> you know, you've got to really, you got to just throw the rope out there uh -huh. and see what happens. And see what what yeah, flows in. Yeah. Let's uh, shift gears for a second. Talk about uh, multi-jurisdiction projects, of which there are a bunch of those, thanks to the stimulus, where there are anywhere from a dozen to two, three dozen towns and cities, all in one project. Right, so we all know politics. We understand, you know, the nature of the bees. When you create 
a project that is multi-jurisdictional, how do you minimize the headaches and maximize the shared benefit? Well, it's difficult, you know, especially on a place like the Cape with 15 towns. But the Cape itself, you know, some of these towns are 350 years old. Right? So, <laughs> so those municipal lines, some of them literally drawn in the sand, probably by Miles Standish. And, uh, <laughs> are you ready for the voters' revolution? And, and uh, so it, it's, um, it's challenging. And uh, these towns take uh, their sort of their uh, sovereignty, their identity, and issues of Seriously, mm -hmm. the way to get around it um, in Barnesville County is we have a, a viable county government, which is sort of unique in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And I think the way to really get around it is to find a way to subsidize the initial participation of the 15 towns. Mm -hmm. So when you're offering them a service that they don't have to pay for uh, up front, that's going to uh, allow them to save costs on their end and moves toward more efficient government, um, they'll take it. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it. It is a in many respects, you can get over politics uh, by dri by driving the bottom line. Mm -hmm. So in some respect, they do uh, react like businesses. They're, they're not going to uh, be inclined to waste taxpayer money. If you can offer them a better service for a lower price, they'll take it. Mm -hmm. What's been your take on the multi-jurisdictional project? Because I would imagine from a, uh, you know, from the, the technology side of the house, that just sort of duplicates well, you have the risk of duplication, and you have the risk of sort of mutually exclusive demands and needs and so forth. How do you guys handle the multi-jurisdictional project? By going to people like the Cape Cod Commission. <laughs> 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 kind of push that one down yeah, the street yeah, yeah. a little way. It's difficult for a private company like ours to try to um, herd cats. Right. And, and herding cats is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about... Uh, you know, jurisdictions that are hundreds of years old, that, that there's a certain amount of competition, we'll say, that, mm -hmm. that's going on uh, between and among them, that they have a certain parochialism in terms of how they do business. Uh, they, they, overcoming that is not easy. Right. And, 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 and a company like ours, it, it's a long shot. We have, right. to, we, have to, we have to go to the local people who have a much better chance, who understand their community, their region better than we'll ever understand it, mm -hmm. who've done business here forever and understand the pitfalls and, and where the opportunity points are. Uh, so so that's my take. My take is these guys have the right idea and they should just keep doing it. Right. <laughs> now, um, when you started the planning, how agreeable did the elected officials you know, to this concept of working together. I mean, I don't know the Cape. Obviously, I don't live here. But um, <clears throat> I know that in talking to other people, particularly in the New England states, where there's a lot of small towns, there's a lot of townships, but there's also like this long lineage of government. Um, I think in western Massachusetts, the Wired West Project, it was like one of the, their, their first objectives was to get the political people on the same page because... Right. It, that was just how they perceived it. You start there even before you get to the more malleable, if you will, stakeholders. Yes. Well, um, <clears throat> with the with the broadband initiative, the western part of Massachusetts really was engaged. They they very rural, sort of sporadic service, and mm -hmm. uh, they were engaged. But I think what set the Cape Project apart from that really was the level of cooperation uh, that um, the federal government saw in the grant application. Mm -hmm. 
And so the promise of, you know, in total $40 million to support infrastructure on the Cape that has a high uh, potential to promote economic development was a pretty easy sell, especially when you weren't asking your partners uh, to participate financially, just to support in concept mm-hmm. uh, the project. So it really wasn't that difficult, and a lot of it, uh, you know, falls back on the forceful personality of Dan Gallagher. I mean, Dan's mm-hmm. a very charismatic guy. So the people that are out there trying to recruit matter, you know, personalities matter, and uh, when it's big grant money, uh, it's it's an easier sell. Right. Okay. And and the Cape also has certain histories around multi operation, like we have the. Massachusetts military reservations on the on the Cape, and there was a drinking water uh, pollution problem a decade or so ago. Mm-hmm. And the, so the Upper Cape towns really had to cooperate and coalesce around a solution there. Mm-hmm. So there's that track record, and then there's the commission itself, which is unlike other parts, other regional planning agencies in other parts of the state, where the county, these 15 towns, uh, on a countywide referendum, voted to create the Cape Cod Commission. So in the past given the unique geology and geography of the Cape. Um, Cape residents have stood up as Cape Cod and uh, and pushed particular projects and interests. Mm-hmm. So now I want to well, shift gears just a little bit more, um, get both of your opinions on a couple of key areas that were identified last year uh, via the survey uh, in terms of you know where to expect the biggest um, impact from an economic development standpoint. So we'll start with what I will refer to as individual economic development. One of the topics that we tackled last year for the first time was this question of what do you do with broadband to improve the ability of the individual to to, uh, basically upgrade their personal economic development, whether it's getting a job, changing industries, uh, doing their job better, or even starting home-based businesses, but what about the individual? What what does what what's your vision for them as part of this overall project? Well, uh, part of it is um, a, l- a little bit of a leap of faith. You know, we it, by building the middle mile and subsidizing it, um, we're pretty co- we're pretty sure that the, the free market will take care of the last mile. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we target it um, specifically to people? That's where. Uh, the Cape Cod Chamber of Commerce, our partner in this, really comes in. They've mm-hmm. invested a lot of money in uh, entrepreneurial training. Uh-huh. Now, we know on the Cape, because of the challenges that I that I discussed at the beginning, that growing our own businesses here is probably a better bet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's what the Chamber is engaged in trying to do. So the broadband initiative and that capacity uh, really has become ingrained in their entrepreneurial training and uh, the way we think about the future economy and how individuals are going to participate in it. Mm-hmm. What's your thought on, on you know, impacting the individual and their ability to improve their personal economic situation? Education. Aha, uh-huh. as in improving the education system or education to the individual? Both. Both, okay. Both. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, people need to understand what this network is capable of that may dictate the kinds of jobs they might get interested in mm-hmm. because they understand how how this can enhance their their own personal futures. Uh, they you know, like you said you, you refer to home based businesses. So there are there are plenty of entrepreneurs out there that don't really really haven't really given much thought to how to use the internet in a very exciting new ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's a possibility. 
Uh, there, there are people who say, would say our entrepreneurial would say, hey, gee, now that I know I've got this infrastructure as this capability, this is the kind of business I will start or, or bring to the Cape. I bl- I've already worked in this company X, you know, that's in Boston, Boston area, mm-hmm. and I head up this company, but, gee, I never thought about bringing that company to the Cape. Right. So there's all those things that that that, re, that revolve around the individual, mm-hmm. yep. uh, individual decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will. One example is, uh, you know, it's in a go, but we have a, a radiologist who lives up in the greater Boston area now. He's got a, a home down in Orleans, and he works from home quite a bit, reading uh, those X-rays at home and doing his diagnosis. He can't wait until uh, until the broadband capacity is available. He's going to move that business down to the Cape, and then he's going to contribute much more to the local economy. And back to to the point about education, one of our comprehensive economic economic development strategies has been to investigate the possibility of a four-year university. Mm -hmm. That idea has been kicking around the Cape, uh, you know, for well over a decade. We've got a great community college. We've got the Math Maritime Academy on the other side of the canal. But something, you know, uh, that was a more uh, sort of solid four-year school has been desired. But right but Open Cape changed the thinking on that. We're no longer thinking about recruiting bricks and mortar buildings. We're really interested in being able to provide high quality master's degrees um, in a virtual way. Mm-hmm. And we've actually worked with uh, IBM a little bit on that over the last two years. Okay. Let me let me describe something that went on in Santa Monica. Um, as you were talking it kind of kicked kicked into my mind. So they had a high vacancy issue with a lot of the multi-tenant buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those were, but a number of those were residential, and so the building owners were not very happy, and they couldn't figure out how to build up that uh, that occupancy. So what Santa Monica did, as a with a, in combination between the IT group that ran the network and the economic development group was they created an incentive program and they went to each building owner and said, we will give you certain uh, benefits. They, they couldn't give them a full-on tax break because that would defeat the overall purpose of, of incre- uh, increasing the tax base. But they basically came up with some incentives that made sense to basically get those uh, owners, building owners, to install fiber into their buildings. And the net result of that was everyone's occupancy rate shot up through the roof even before the network capacity was put in, and then they generated a, a, um, a waiting list, and then, then long-term, you know, more entrepreneurs get started and the tax base improves. Um, is there Are there plans for something like that on the Cape, and, you know, or what's your thought on that in yeah, general? We've, <clears throat> we've looked at that in the uh, sandwich project that I mentioned earlier. Downtown Hyannis is a fairly urban part of the Cape. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a tremendous revitalization effort there. We've looked at those kind of initiatives and subsidy possibilities down there. Also in Buzzards Bay in Bourne. And right now, as one of our regional economic development strategies, we're considering the creation of a regional finance uh, authority mm-hmm. that can uh, accumulate some capital and then through the local economic development investment corporations that exist in each town, we can push some of that money down to, to support some of these incentive programs. Mm-hmm. And I just got back from Santa Monica, so if we can do what they can do. <laughs> right. So let me add, add to that. So this is where, again, public-private partnership becomes really crucial. Mm-hmm. Because let's just hypothetically, a town or the commission comes to Cape Net and says, you know, we have a chance of attracting customer X, which would be a tremendous um, asset to our community mm-hmm. in any number of ways, jobs, whatever. 
and and they said, "Do you have any? Is there anything? Is there a way you could participate to help?" Mm-hmm. No, no. I might say, under the right circumstances, you know, we're in this together for the long term. Mm-hmm. Why don't we offer them broadband free for a year, uh, in order to do that? And we'll we'll that'll be our uh, commitment. That'll mm-hmm. be our contribution as a community member. I don't know what our competition would do. Uh, but I suggest to you that it would be unlikely that they would agree uh, to mm-hmm. such a proposition because mm-hmm. uh, they don't have the same stake in the community that we do. Right. Okay. So because we're tied to the Cape in a very unique way, as as the biggest provider, as, as a provider of unique uh, uh, architecture, as a as a uh, infrastructure, then we would be much more open to to facilitating deals on uh, with. With the towns and with the county and with private developers, in in order in order to in order to attract that kind of business. Mm-hmm. That, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I see where you know um, that kind of cooperation and incentive. I also see, and leading into my next question, that you can be fairly creative if the if the private sector parties are part of the community. Now I know that there's. Um, I went to a, uh, a conference in California, rural part of California, where the smaller providers were generally upset with the communities because the communities would want to go to a large provider first because they felt like they could deliver better capacity. But the smaller providers were saying, "But we're here and we're part of the community." As an economic development strategy for broadband, does it make sense to focus? Local uh, service providers to be part of the solution. Yes, it absolutely does. For the same reason, uh, it's all about that stake in the community and the shared vision. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to have that to prime, to prime the pump and uh, get this going. And you know, the, our other experience in dealing with uh, other providers, they're like utilities, uh, and they be, they're these big monolithic uh, corporations. You don't get the uh, the personal service. And they're not willing to take a risk. They're not willing to be a partner in trying to do something great. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Let's. Uh, we've got about ten minutes, so let's go into one other area that I don't think gets a lot of attention, but probably should, which is um, the medical healthcare part of the community. I think people see it as a healthcare issue. You know, bringing those agencies and, and companies involved that are in the healthcare space. But from an economic development standpoint, does is there a particular economic benefit to um, really pushing the, the the medical community front and center as users of the of the network? On the Cape, there is, uh, as I mentioned, healthcare is our largest industry down here, and our economy is still primarily seasonal. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you have a seasonal economy, you have a lot of service jobs, you have a lot of hospitality jobs, and a lot of those only only run. Um, partially through the year. Healthcare becomes a real important industry because of the, the level of wages that it pays uh, local people. Mm-hmm. You know, those, are, those are really good paying jobs. Uh, the problem we have with healthcare on the Cape is, is that we can only pay doctors you know, 78% of what they can get on the other side of the bridge. Uh, so it's difficult to recruit them. So healthcare is a really important industry for us to support here. Mm-hmm. It's also a growth industry, again, given the, the aging demographic that we deal with. Do you think that the technology will help you get more medical expertise from afar? So, I mean, trying to bridge the money gap, you know, basically trying to match salaries, 
may become problematic, you know, depending on, you know, the overall economy here. But does the technology offer a way maybe to bridge that knowledge gap? It does. It does. Uh, I mean, we, we see and we hear about the, the uh, improvements that are being made in healthcare, like robot surgery, for mm-hmm. example. And so we expect that, that those kind of um, initiatives will come to the Cape and make it uh, create a better quality of life and, and compensate for some of those, the inequity in uh, payroll opportunities here. The, the other advantage, uh, you know, the Cape is and can be fairly rural. You can get a lot of people here in the summer. We've got 215,000 people year-round. It swells to well mm-hmm. in the summer with 5.3 million visitors to Cape Cod every year. And, uh, you know, we have an aging demographic. And the one thing that residents want, whether they're summer residents or year-round residents, when they call that ambulance, they want it there in four minutes. <laughs> you know, and that becomes a challenge. But uh, with the increased capacity now, we'll be able to get information to that, those emergency services and from those emergency services back to the hospital in a much more productive way, and, and ultimately it will save lives. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, in our last six or seven minutes here, the technology industry. Um, as I'm pretty sure you're aware, well, probably everybody is aware here, is that in Massachusetts there is a lot of technology companies, a lot of investment, a lot of VC people, and so forth. Will you? Do you expect that Cape Cod will maybe become a greater player in the Massachusetts technology community by virtue of having this broadband capacity here? You know, it's a, it's a difficult question. About 10, 15 years ago, the, the Cape played around with this Silicon Sandbar concept mm-hmm. and really tried to bring some tech companies down, and, and they were successful. But those were companies that came from the other side of the bridge and didn't have a stake in the community. So when times got tough, they left. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure the Cape is going to make that kind of uh, leap of faith in any particular industry. And, and it's always perilous for government to use some sort of economic development crystal ball mm-hmm. to bet on a particular industry. The best thing we can do is to build the infrastructure and then allow the free market to work because it's not just technology that's going to need this uh, broadband capacity in the future. It's any business because every business, in order to be profitable, is going to have to rely on more and more information and you're going to need more and more space in order to transfer that information back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume, given the the nature of uh, you know life here on the Cape and what little I've seen in just the 24 hours that I've been here, is that um, telecommuting will probably be facilitated because it is something of a long drive from Boston to here. But being here has some advantages. When you when you really think about it, what's the impact you see on on on, um, on telecommuting? Well, we've already seen an impact from uh, between 2005 and 2008, a significant growth in telecommuting, uh, even prior to this uh, technology being available. Once it's here, uh, we expect that to grow um, by a factor of, of two. At least. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we inevitably, you will see more people uh, working from home. Mm-hmm. Like, it just makes sense environmentally, for quality of life reasons, to move work to people rather than moving people to work. Mm-hmm. So, Alan, from your perspective, what do you see as maybe the top two or three economic outcomes that will flow from this technology in this place at this time? Well, 
When you say outcomes, what, what are we? End result. I mean, do you see an increase in uh, workers? Do you see an increase of businesses? You know, if you had to sort of look at an economic outcome, what would you think? Well, I, I would see over time that um, businesses that never dreamed or thought of locating on the Cape will increasingly see this as a as a as a as a very desirable area in which to locate their businesses. And I agree with Paul. What, what, which of those businesses is going to be? It's going to be very difficult to predict. Um, but I, I will say that once those businesses start um, realizing that the Cape is, a, is one of the most desirable places they could imagine to mm-hmm. locate their business mm-hmm. with all the amenities, that it has, otherwise. Right, right. Uh, that that you, could, you could start to cluster uh, businesses and uh, that, that are like businesses. For example, you know, one could imagine a large biotech company saying to itself, you know, it would be a pretty cool idea if we located our, uh, our research center on the case. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, another biotech company says, you know, I like that idea. And before you know it, maybe there's four or five biotech companies. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the kind of um, welling up of, of the businesses that, that, that happen over time. Uh, it, it always takes the, you know, the, the, the initial you know, uh, businesses to start coming here and making, making a difference. And that's where you know, the, the, what happens here over the next uh, three to five years is going to be really significant. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I actually don't, I'm not worried about what's going to happen over the next 15 to 20 years. But if we can get off to a good start here, if we can just make a few good things, really good things happen over the next five to three years, I think I think it will uh, snowball mm-hmm. into, into something uh, pretty spectacular, actually. Mm-hmm. So, one minute. Are you guys ready? Sure. <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. And everybody's been, been well briefed on being nimble and quick, I assume. Because yeah. it sounds like with, you know, with all the potential that's there, you know, and then like taking the example that Alan mentioned, that you've got to be able to jump on an opportunity in its budding stages to really make sure it blossoms. Yeah. No, we have to do that. We have had, we have two companies that were sort of research, HUI Research Institute uh, spinoffs, um, one in Bourne, one in Falmouth. Uh, they've got about 60 employees each now. Um, they pay an average wage of sixty to $80,000. And they're projected to, to add 10 jobs a year for the next five years. Mm-hmm. They're staying here in part because they, they're going to have access to this kind of technology for their businesses. And so that will help us in our, uh, to build a better year-round economy, to balance our seasonal economy, and that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you. We all have to get ready for uh, other presentations at the summit, and there's people clamoring at the door wanting to get in here, and so we kind of move on. But uh, I want to thank you, Paul, and you, Alan, for both uh, contributing some time and being on the show and uh, talking to our listeners and providing a more insight that's really valuable stuff that, that people need to know. People need to know this information. They need to know these experiences. So Thank you very much. No worries. Our pleasure. All righty. So go forth and have a great rest of the day. We will on a regular basis here on Gigabit Nation. So I look forward to... Um, having all of you come back and and catch our future shows. Have a great day.